Hello everyone, I'm Scott Fraze and welcome to the second episode of When Narratives Collide. This week we are beginning the series, Women of Scripture and Their Untold Stories. We will be embarking on an exploration and reflection upon the narratives of Eve, Miriam, Deborah, Ruth, and Esther. Whether we are familiar or unfamiliar with these figures of the distant past, it is our hope that we will see their significance and place in God's mission to bring healing and hope to a broken and hurting world, as we too think about our own stories and our place in God's narrative. Now, here is your host, Rachel Fraze. The debate of women's roles in the church has spanned history, and at the center is the archetype Eve. This keystone figure historically has become representative of all women. She has been the very essence of femininity and womanhood. This debate of women's roles in the church is a hot topic. It's been an issue I've questioned whether I should even bring up today. And yet it has wounded so many people. It's impacted so many stories, including my own. I remember being in my early 20s, a part of this missions organization I was leading and I was teaching, and we had this guest speaker, and he was an editor for a major Bible dictionary publisher. And we had invited him out for lunch and I was asking him these questions. And I remember this moment that each question I would ask, he would visibly turn away from me and answer directly to my male counterpart. I remember in that moment what it felt like to be ignored, what it felt like to realize that not all people are going to recognize who you are because of your gender. This story is just a mere drop in the bucket of the many stories that women have encountered and endured because of their gender within ministry. Today, our focus is going to be on the figure of Eve, where historically she has been fixated upon as the scapegoat for all sin, for all depravity, and really the center of the debate of women's role with roles within the church. Our objective today is threefold. We're going to look at the worldview of who Eve has been throughout history, looking a little bit at art, looking at literature, as well as the early church fathers and how she has been viewed through society and what that has meant. Secondly, we're going to look at how much of Eve's story is tradition versus truth. We want to look at what the Bible actually says about Eve. So we're going to look at the story of creation in Genesis um, into the fall. We're going to also look at some of the New Testament passages to give us a more well-rounded understanding. And finally, my hope is that in this episode, we're able to look at the character of Eve and ask what can we learn from her life? Is there a recovery of Eve's character that we can glean? 
Jumping right in, we're going to look at two different quotes. The first by Tertullian of Carthage and the second by St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Now, these two men very strongly and very adamantly had an opinion about Eve and her effect upon society. And do you not know that you are each an Eve? The sentence of God on this sex of yours lives in this age. The guilt must of necessity live too. You are the devil's gateway. You are the unsealer of the forbidden tree. You are the first deserter of the divine law. You are she who persuaded him whom the devil was not valiant enough to attack. You destroyed so easily God's image, man, on account of your desert, that is, death. Even the Son of God had to die. Eve was the original cause of all evil, whose disgrace has come down to all women. Now, what these two men said seem so harsh, and yet this was the prevalent view and understanding of Eve. And as Eve was the archetype and representation of all women, this is what women have represented in society through history. Now, for those of you with more conservative leanings, don't be calling me a feminazi yet. Um, This is history. This is real history. And patriarchal society has fixated on Eve and used her sin as a scapegoat for all of humanity's depravity. And the very reason for the world living in a state of conflict and transgression Much of history has used Eve as a means of explaining women's inferiority. She has been used to divinely sanction inequality in a system of patriarchy because of women's weakness seen through Eve. She has borne the guilt as the bearer of original sin to all humanity. Seems like it would be a little bit of a hard stain to wash out if you ask me. Tertullian of Carthage and St. Bernard of Clairvaux were not the only ones to interpret Eve negatively. We have Augustine of Hippo, and followed by Ambrose and many others, Aristotle, all claimed that Eve um, demonstrated an inferiority. Augustine actually said that woman is man's helpmate, in procreation, but not in companionship. He actually said if God had intended to provide man a companion, he contended he would have created another man. Now stay with me. I'm not just going to bash all of these historical figures that have lended humanity to incredible insights and other phenomenal things, but we do want to see the threads within their worldview that has lended themselves to a place and view of women within history where they believed that Eve was primarily responsible for plunging the world into sin. And this view about Eve became representative of all women. If we take a look at art, 
which is an incredible place to glean society's perceptions as they represent those governing within culture and society, we see that art has actually depicted Eve in history in various ways, typically in a very one-dimensional fashion. In a lot of art, we actually see that she is shown to be inherently subordinate and characterized by her sexuality. She was often characterized as an unruly and wily temptress, as many church fathers would say. And art in the Middle Ages placed an emphasis on the twin association of Eve and the devil the serpent often mirroring Eve's face as seen in the painting Temptation, Fall, and Expulsion by the Lindbergh brothers, as well as the painting Temptation of Adam and Eve by Mazzolino. We see that it is produced a worldview that believed that the devil might assume a woman's guise and a woman's sexuality endangered men. Women were at the core tricksters and were not to be trusted. This would be a hard stain for Eve and for women in general to abolish. Much of literature, as we've already seen a little bit of through Tertullian and Augustine, depicts an understanding of society's perception of Eve. If we look at John Milton's work in Paradise Lost, we see that how he also depicts Eve is informative to our understanding. Eve in Paradise Lost falls in love with her own image when she sees her reflection in the body of water. We see that this is her most serious flaw. It is her vanity. And this is where Satan tempts Eve is when he compliments her on her beauty and godliness and then is able to persuade her to eat from the tree of knowledge. While Milton also portrays her as being content to be guided, we also see the strengths that are depicted in Eve and her capacity for emotion, forbearance, and love. And so we see that he explores the role of women in his society and the positive and the important role that she also plays within the divine union of marriage. There are still threads of inferiority that we see played out within art, within literature, that govern society and culture's view of women and the role they do play. My question to us, though, is, is this the true story? Or is this even the whole story? How much of Eve's story is just tradition versus truth? What does the Bible actually say about Ruth and her story? Many times in Mr. Phrases and I's ministry, I have been tempted to allow him, or rather force him, to be the one to talk about this renowned debate of women's roles within the church. It's been easier and honestly has had better reception coming from him. Now, he is the feeler in this relationship, 
So he does get some points for that. He also might be the better person and he might be kinder. But in all honesty, people receive the words that he has to say about women in ministry because he's a man. Do we as a culture and a church have unknown biases about gender roles because of these narratives in tradition versus the Bible? So we're going to jump into what the Bible actually says about Eve, and we're going to look at three different elements in the text. First, we're going to look in Genesis, and we're going to look specifically at creation order. And secondly, we're going to look at what does it mean to be made in the image of God. And thirdly, we're going to look at the disobedience of Adam and Eve and the implication of that disobedience within God's word. The narrative of Eve begins in Genesis chapter 1. Verses 26 and following of chapter 1 of Genesis talks about God creating mankind in his image. He gives them the directive to have dominion over the animals, over the fish of the sea, the livestock, and over all the earth, not distinguishing between male or female having dominion. He then continues in verse 27, where he says, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And in verse 28, it then says, God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And chapter 2 of Genesis is where we begin to actually see this idea of creation order and the implication of what that means. There's an acknowledgement, actually, from God, and he says, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so we see that Eve is then taken from Adam's rib and created after Adam. Now we have to remember that this literature type is actually a historical narrative and therefore we're not given anything interpretive within the text of the passage that tells us what this means. We are able to glean though through Eve's story that historically It has been viewed through a lens that helps to establish a hierarchy and also enforces an inferiority used to enhance this doctrine or belief system is not only the creation order or that Eve was created from an inferior substance, but also the word that is used to describe Eve. In chapter 2 of Genesis, in verse 18, the word helper is used to describe Eve. Now, this word in Hebrew is called ezer. This expression has been used to indicate Eve's subordination to Adam. And therefore, women being subordinate to men in society and familial life. 
However, the word helper or azir in Hebrew does not imply subordination. It is actually used in several places in the Psalms, including in Psalm 146 verse 5. And here the meaning is understood to mean a companion corresponding to him and actually refers to a superior person or even to God himself. So ironically, as people use this word helper to denote subordination with women, it's actually the same word that is used to describe God in relationship to Israel. I'd be remiss in our study if I didn't also mention the New Testament passages that references the creation order. We first have 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 as well as 2 Corinthians chapter 11:3 which are also very controversial texts related to women and their roles. I don't have time to fully exegete these passages as I would like to. Maybe that's a time for another episode another day, but I did want to say a few things. These passages are normally used to reinforce hierarchy and subordination of women, using Genesis as a reference to reinforce these ideologies. First, I think that we need to look at context as a whole and see how Paul engages with this topic. In Corinthians, we know that Paul is dealing with very specific issues within the church, including disorderly worship. We also know that Paul has already given permission for women to speak and prophesy in a public setting in the church. The same goes for 1 Timothy. Paul is dealing with a very specific audience that are dealing with very specific historical elements that Paul is engaging with. Also, I think that we have to look and see how Paul engages with women as a whole. We see there are several women that Paul works with in ministry, including Priscilla, the wife of Aquila. We see Phoebe, we see Junia, we see several women that are engaged in public ministry with Paul. In the gospel narratives, we actually see that women were the first ones to tell the men about the resurrection of Christ. The last point I want to make with these two New Testament passages is I think we have to ask the question if Paul is describing a certain situation versus prescribing a hierarchy or a subordination of women. Remembering and understanding the whole picture of women in the entirety of scripture can help us glean a better understanding of what the Bible is actually trying to say. Returning back to Eve's story in the Genesis account, I think that we can see that the creation order was not meant to be interpreted as a way to establish a hierarchy and enforce inferiority. The second point in Genesis that we're going to look at is actually what it means to be made in the image of God. 
Some interpreters have actually said that Eve, because she was taken from the rib of Adam, was made in the image of Adam versus the image of God. However, as we read in chapter 1 of Genesis, it said that God had made them in his image, male and female. There is no disparity between being made in the likeness of God. He made them equally in his image. If this is what the text says, then we have to ask, is there an inferiority within God's image that was relegated only to the female? The third thing we're going to look at in the text of Genesis is the disobedience of Adam and Eve. This last point in and of itself has been the catalyst for many debates, many conjectures, and hypotheses for why Eve did this. And yet, the Bible says nothing about her motives, about her emotions, or even about Adam's. We are given the barest details about the actions and the consequences and yet are left wondering and conjecturing about the rest. These conjectures, though, have led many church fathers to the belief and the understanding of what we talked about, that Eve is a wily temptress that has led Adam the faithful astray. John Milton blames her vanity. St. Jerome actually calls her a seductress. Eve's story has become this metaphor for the femme fatale of sexuality and how it will endanger all of society. And yet, what do we actually see in the story of Genesis? We see that the serpent lied to Eve and Eve believed the lie. The lie that she will be like God, that she will no longer need him. Often when we think of this story, we think of Adam being absent or not there. And yet that isn't what Genesis says. In chapter 3, verse 6, we actually see that Adam is present with Eve this whole time. Has he not also been deceived as well? What's even more insightful is what the New Testament says about their disobedience and the consequences. We see that only one time in the entire New Testament is Eve called out for this disobedience. And we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21 actually most heavily lays the blame at Adam's feet as it says that sin entered the world through one man, Adam. Yet we also see Adam mentioned in 1 Corinthians as well as in 1 Timothy, where again, the New Testament lays the blame at his feet. My point here is not to shift the blame, my point is that why are we laying the blame in one corner or the other? The message of Genesis chapter 3 is not to point the finger or to be able to make one gender feel inferior to the other. 
The point of Genesis chapters 1 through 3 is to talk about God who creates the majesty, the power, the providence of him. And where Eve and Adam failed to recognize their need for him, when they tried to be their own gods, they failed. They were forced to recognize their brokenness, their fallenness, and ultimately their need. So we've looked at what history has said about Eve. We've looked at what the Bible actually says about her narrative. And lastly, I want us to look at what can we learn from Eve's story? And has there been a recovery of Eve's character within society and the church. I started reading this book, The Gospel According to Eve, A History of Women's Interpretation by Amanda Bankhuizen. The purpose of her book is to look at how women have interpreted the story of Eve through history. She reminds her readers that many women interpreters claimed that their inspiration and impulse to advocate for greater rights and freedoms for women came directly from their engagement with the Bible. She powerfully states this, Interpretations of scripture have the power to bring about harm or to effect healing, to tear down or lift up. Women interpreters understand this and recognize that though Eve had become the justification for their oppression and marginalization, interpreted differently or rightly, they might say she could be the catalyst for their liberation. I'll let you read the rest of her work to glean some of the incredible examples of women interpreters who have looked at the story of Eve and stood beyond cultural barriers as a voice of liberty to women in a world that has deemed them as inferior. Several church fathers, including Justin and Irenaeus, actually compared Eve to Mary, the mother of Jesus. They saw Mary as the new Eve, contrasting Eve's sin and disobedience to the faithfulness and purity of Mary. While I don't love this comparison, I do think that there's an interesting relationship between these two women. I think we can see a story of beauty and redemption. We see if we look at the curse of Eve, that we see God's words to the serpent when he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Eve's name in Hebrew is Hava, which means mother to all living. We see that Eve is the mother to all, and it is through her that the promised offspring will come into this world. We see that it is in Mary that this promise is fulfilled, and that in Christ, he crushes the head of the serpent and brings God's promises to fruition. I think we can see the parallels of Eve being the mother of all living, the offspring, 
and Mary being the mother to Christ who would erase the stains of sin, including Eve's. Although historically we've seen Eve's story, her narrative be one to justify oppression and inferiority of women, we see that in reality, her story is a recognition of our brokenness and our vulnerability, but also the means of our redemption, our Savior. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, please let us know. We would love to hear from you. We value your voices, your feedback, perspective, and stories. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to share, like, and subscribe to the podcast through our website, journeyofthephrases.com, Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Until next time, be kind to yourself and those around you. For the offspring of Eve, Jesus Christ has crushed the head of the serpent and provided for those who believe the path of peace and wholeness through reconciliation with God and one another.